Test, test, many things. Greetings and salutations. All the salutations. Hi, Mind Out Loud listeners. I am super excited to be back and doing another episode for you all. I've definitely missed getting to present these episodes and doing the interviews, which is maybe my favorite part. I do love talking to people and learning about their mental health journey. We've been on a brief break as our program has been transitioning out of our year for the 2021 through 22 school year. We are officially done with Mind Out Loud for the summer, um, but I'm going to be staying involved with the program through some summer work there. So If you're listening to the podcast, you'll probably be hearing my voice as we continue to put forth some episodes this summer. And I'm really excited and really grateful for the opportunity to continue to interact with listeners through this podcast, which is something that I really greatly enjoyed. Alrighty, let's get to talking about this episode. As you probably have seen from the title, it is another My MOL episode, which means that I'm going to be talking to a student from within our program, Mind Out Loud, and asking them about their mental health journey and sort of what sparked them to become interested in advocacy in that realm. Today, we are going to be talking to Helen. Helen is super cool, super funny, super quirky, and just like really into super cool and really sometimes strange stuff, which I think is awesome. I could relate to that. I have a lot of interests that are really seemingly abstract and strange, so I think that probably helped for Helen and I to really get to know each other quite well in our interview. I feel like I learned a lot talking to Helen too, which was really awesome. Um, I've been doing some research for the fact check. It is a lengthy fact check, so make sure to stay tuned for that. And I think that this was a great episode where there were a lot of things that were brought up and that gave me an opportunity to do some more research and to share that research and those resources so you all can do your own research as well. I'm excited to get to that fact check, but um, first let's get to the episode. There's a lot that you're going to see from Helen here, and I think some of the things that I personally really enjoyed about this were the ways that how Helen talks about their advocacy journey beginning with just a desire to educate others. Even though I think that probably seems a little straightforward, I think that the fact that Helen became interested in advocacy from doing other from other points in the advocacy community. You'll hear a little bit more about it in the episode, but Helen's going to talk about how their experience within the LGBTQ plus community was kind of a feeder into mental health advocacy because they were able to build up a lot of skills and ways to talk about things, challenges, challenging topics that can be really difficult, how they were able to build up skills there that they then apply to their work in mental health. Um, I think that's really cool, and I think that it is just really indicative of the ways that mental health and just advocacy in general is so interdisciplinary and how it's important to consider so many diverse perspectives when we're having these conversations. You'll also hear about how Helen is really adamant about making sure that people in either of the communities they're active in don't feel pressure to share their story and are feeling as if they can be active on their own terms there, which I think is also something really important. 
Lastly, there's a lot that goes on in this episode, but one of my last favorite parts was when you're going to hear Helen discuss mentorship and learning how to work with others if you don't have an older mentor in your life. So some really cool stuff here, a lot of personal advice, and we'll discuss a little bit later about how, although that personal advice is important to listen to, it is still not a professional perspective. And there are some things that we're going to discuss where having a professional be with you to help cover some of those would probably be beneficial. We'll talk about that a little bit more in our debrief, but I just wanted to kind of let you know what's coming and let you know to be on the lookout for some of those really cool, really cool topics. In terms of our pillars of Mind Out Loud, I think we really see a lot of personal wellness in this. Um, It's really interesting the way that Helen talks about personal wellness, and it resonated with me a lot, but just before you get into it, personal wellness to us, I think, means a lot of times doing self-care in a really traditional way. And you'll hear Helen talk about how it was really hard for them to make room for themselves and to take time to prioritize their own mental health. That is absolutely not an endorsement or a suggestion. And Helen recognizes that that is a really harmful and toxic mentality. But they still share that because They think, and I think that it's important to show people who are in the advocacy community and who are pushing activism and who are so incredibly educated about how to prioritize mental health, but might still have some challenges putting that into play in their life. So we will talk about all this a little bit more in depth in the fact check, our debrief room called RMLL. You can join me there after the episode. So make sure to stay tuned after Helen signs off so that we can go ahead and talk about it a little bit more in depth and go into some more professional research and go over some resources to help with some of those things. But let's get into Helen's conversation. As always, we're so happy to hear that you are listening to our podcast and we hope that you will find it comforting and enjoyable to hear young people discuss mental health. That being said, we just want to quickly remind everybody that we are in no way mental health professionals, and this podcast should never be used, nor is intended to be used, in place of professional mental health treatment. If you or someone you know is currently having a mental health crisis, please call 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 800-273-8255. Again, that's 800-273-8255. These resources and more can always be found in our episode notes and the podcast description. Now, on to the show. My name is Helen Fletch. I am comfortable with any and all pronouns. I am an LGBTQ plus advocate as well as a Mind Out Loud student representative. Uh, I greatly enjoy Dungeons and Dragons. I am a certified scuba diver and I greatly enjoy any weird historical stories that anyone's been able to dig up. Helen, I... Don't think I could think of a cooler introduction. I mean, that is just an amazing pitch for a person. (laughs) I'm flattered. So, icebreaker questions. In my interviews, I like to just sort of do a couple little things. And then also, I think it's fun for the audience to hear a little bit to get to know you more. That's fair. Okay. So, I want you to tell me about your favorite song and or musician. Um, my favorite song, I'm going to just say, can I do my favorite album? Um, Yes. All right, so my favorite album is the Gotta Fly album by Marion Call, who is an Alaskan uh, music musician uh, who got into music when there was a contest for people to write a fan song about the TV show Firefly. Uh, and she wrote a song for it, won the contest, and one of the things you won was that they would help you publish an album. 
And she was like, oh no, I never planned to win. I don't have an album. And so she wrote the God of Fly album. And it is nerd music and folk music. And one of the songs in it has actually been really inspirational for me in examining my own mental health journey. Uh, the title song, which is Gotta Fly, which is a song um, that she wrote after being in a job interview and being asked, uh, with the continued rise of technology and science, should imagination still be nurtured in our children? And she wrote the song Gotta Fly basically about how imagination and creativity can serve as a valuable tool for us to take care of ourselves when the world constantly demands everything we are from us in order to put productivity above any other aspect of our worth. Oh my gosh. Okay, not only do I love that you went with an obscure album and an obscure artist, but I love that you know the entire story behind it too. That is incredible. So tell me a little bit about how um, you've been involved with Mind Out Loud, um, how long, and maybe tell me um, what inspired you to apply. Uh, so I got involved with Mind Out Loud. My counselor sent me an email and was like, hey, Helen, there's this mental health thing. And I thought you'd be really good at it because you like to talk and you like to tell people when they need to be nicer to others. And you know, you're good at planning stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. And I was super busy and I wasn't gonna apply for it. And then on a whim at like 10 at night, I opened the application was like, oh yeah, I can do this. Applied, sent it off. Wonderful. And then was that this year? This is your first year with Mind Out Loud. This is this is my first year with Mind Out Loud. Um, I have done some amount of advocacy before with uh, the gay student union that I run at my school, um, which is why my counselor recommended me the program. And then I think that's mostly what I talked about in the applications. Like, I've done the advocacy before. I'm good at working with others. And mental health is an important thing. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you to become involved with advocacy at the very beginning, before Mind Out Loud even. I figured out I was gay in high school uh, when all of the hints that had been flying over my head since about the age of three, finally one of them hit me in the face and I was like, oh, that's what's going on. Um, and yeah, that was great. And my school has a lot of LGBTQ plus people. But during distance learning, there was a big problem with teachers not really enforcing anti-discrimination, anti-bullying rules in Zoom breakout rooms. And I had a very close friend who was uh, stuck in a room with a bunch of people who were calling her slurs about her race and her sexual orientation and her gender identity. And no matter what she did, the teacher would do nothing about it because whenever the teacher was in the breakout room, they weren't doing anything. And so the teacher didn't have any proof. And she didn't want to move my friend out of the group because she wanted all the groups to have at least four people in them. So nothing was really done about that. And it took a bunch of students basically helping her record what was going on in the Zoom rooms and then sending that to the principal and also a bunch of higher people in the district before the problem got resolved. And right while this was happening, another teacher was doing a lesson about uh, Harvey Milk, who was the, I believe, the first gay elected person in California, and ended with a series of questions that were very clearly written by someone who wasn't gay, uh, because they shamed people who hadn't come out and had stayed in the closet, and at the same time tried to make being gay seem like it's not a big deal and also misused terminology quite badly. And uh, I got out of that class. I was like, I feel oddly defensive of my identity. And I texted a friend, I was like, you feel the same way? And they were like, yes, 100%. And I was like, cool, homework can wait. I'm now gonna write a 
five paragraph essay about the problems of these questions and how they can be fixed and send it to the teacher. And both of those things happening at the same time made me realize that most of what's going on isn't coming from active malice toward the community. It's coming from people not knowing what they can do and how they can be supportive and how they can be inclusive. So maybe I can take some of the privilege that I have coming from a family who's very accepting and who understands that being gay is just something that I am and something that I've always been. And we're, and I could take that privilege and help people who aren't in such a fortunate situation and work with the people in power to make a better situation for everyone. I think that's part of my objective with Mind Out Loud is that I think there's, I think there's not as much active malice toward mental health conditions as there is ignorance and poor education. And I feel like if we all are willing to work together and to just listen for a second, we can turn uh, confusion and suspicion into concern and help. And I think that's something really important in activism. You'll, you win, you get more flies with sugar rather than vinegar. You can always get more allies. There's so much about it that I want to kind of break down in there, but I love how I, what I'm hearing is that a lot of your advocacy started in a place of wanting to educate other people and not mm-hmm. so much because you yourself were having um, a mental health crisis maybe, but you were recognizing more societal issues and you found mental health advocacy work to kind of be a way to help rectify that. Yeah. Um, as, as an individual, I have been fortunate enough to not have any serious mental health concerns. Uh, like everyone else, I have occasional bits of anxiety and I certainly have days where I'm, where I'm feeling the blues but I don't have any serious issues, but I have been around people who have had serious crises and who uh, had to become part of the mental health system. And while I'm not really comfortable going into that, uh, I will say it has always frustrated me. Uh, One of the things that did is when someone close to me went into hospital, I was not allowed to tell anyone. Uh, And so uh, it was really difficult for me to not to be able to explain to my friend why I was so scared because someone I cared about was in the hospital and I couldn't say why. Um, and it was terrible, especially because the thing that kept being at the back of my mind is if they had cancer, I could just say it. If they had gotten hit by a car, I could just say it. But because we don't understand mental health as well as we could and we don't talk about it the same way we do about other ailments, I'm not allowed to say anything. One of the things I really like to do with Mind Out Loud is encourage people to break that stigma and to talk about mental health like you would about any other aspect of your health. If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine, but don't feel pressured not to. If you need to say, I'm taking a mental health day today because I'm really stressed about this thing at school or this thing at home, say it. I think that'd be just just the act of being able to sit down and say, this is me, this is what's happening to me, is something really powerful that I think Mind Out Loud can promote. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I'm in a, I think I'm in a similar position to you in that I'm not involved with Mind Out Loud because I myself have had a history of a lot of mental health challenges, but because I am around people that do struggle with their mental health and 
that's a part of my identity is being a supporter of those people. So, and I feel like a lot of times our position in this community is to listen and to educate ourselves. I think that that's something that I'm always trying to be very cognizant of in this community is to listen to other people who have had those challenges so I can be a better supporter of those people in my own life. Have you had a similar experience? Quite a bit, yeah. And one of the things that, especially being in Mind Out Loud these last few months that I've realized is not having clinical or diagnosable mental health problems doesn't mean that your mental health isn't important and shouldn't be tended to. Yes. Uh, one of the best pieces of mental health advice I received was from a Q&A uh, about a totally unrelated thing um, where a podcast director said, uh, I believe you can't go around lighting yourself on fire to keep everyone else warm. It doesn't work and it can't be sustained. And that's one of the things that's really stuck with me over the years is that you have to take care of yourself and being more engaged with mental health and being able to recognize, you know, what's normal, what's a bit of a problem, when do I go talk to someone and having those lanes of communication already open can really help you. I mean, to go back to my analogy of like physical injury versus mental health issues, you know, if you have a bicycle crash and you sprain your wrists, you can still go to the hospital or take some painkillers. You don't have to have the bone broken before you go and see help. Yes. Oh my gosh, for sure. I remember you had shared that analogy um, about lighting yourself on fire to keep others warm before in one of our Mind Out Loud meetings, and I really liked it too. I feel like that's a great one and so important for people that do support others with mental health challenges because it can definitely be challenging to prioritize your own mental health when you're supporting somebody or even live in the same household as someone that has mental health challenges. Do you want to talk a bit about how you prioritize your own mental health while advocating for and supporting others? Sure. Uh, it's something I'm still working on quite a bit. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> but um, one of the things I'll do is I've started to like actively recognize when I'm starting to hit that spiral of, oh God, I have to go fix everything right now. Um, and taking that time to be like, okay, let's step back. What resources do I have? Who can I get to help me with this? Not trying to tackle all the things alone. Um, but my biggest issue is that a lot of the things that I deal with is stress related due to school. And there's not much that I can actively do to reduce my stress besides just try to power through it. And in my heart of hearts, I know it's not a sustainable solution, but it's one of those situations where I feel like you have to, you have to pick and I'm willing to power through it now and deal with it later, even though I know that's not the healthiest decision. Implementation is always the hardest part. Um, one of the things that I always tell people when they ask me, you know, how can I be a better ally? How can I be more respectful toward LGBTQ plus people is just putting forth the effort is a lot of times the best first step and just continually putting forth the effort. Uh, and I think that's something that could be really well applied to mental health situations too, is just try to get yourself in those habits, try to be able to be, try to practice taking a step back or taking a walk or getting out of a space, whatever works for you and experiment a little bit, figure out what anti-stressors work well. I've discovered recently that doing the motion of washing my hands is a really good reducer of anxiety for me. Thanks COVID. Um, <laughs> that 
that just motion is a really good way for me to be like, okay, let's refocus here. Oh my gosh, I love that. It kind of reminds me of um, this tip in the, I don't know if you've seen the documentary Angst, but it's really wonderful. I'm not, no, I'll have to put that on my list. Yes, please watch it. The filmmaker, Karen Gornick, is, she is a wonderful person. She's brilliant and she's so kind. Um, and I've seen her documentary several times. And one of the tips in it is to hold ice in your hands if you're having a panic attack. And I like the idea of washing your hands, um, not necessarily when you're having a panic attack, but just to calm yourself down. I think a lot of those fine motor scale kind of motions can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will, again, reiterate that obviously we are not giving this advice as mental health professionals, but just rather things that have we've noticed in our own lives. Hi everyone, it's Maya. I'm very sorry to interrupt the episode of today's podcast and I hope that you are enjoying it, but I do have a quick opportunity that I wanted to share with you. You've heard us talk quite a lot about the student rep program and the ways in which we've personally and as a group benefited from the incredible opportunities and conversations and shifts in perspective that it's brought for us. I think that this has been one of the most life-changing experiences of my life because I've been exposed to so many new perspectives and have had the ability to share my own experiences with other people. People who have similar perspectives to me and different perspectives, which can be even more empowering at times. If you're interested in any of those things, I would absolutely encourage you to apply. And the good news is that right now you can. If you visit our website at mind.loud.org, you'll see a pink banner on the top of the screen that says that the applications are now live and encourages you to apply. Go ahead and click there and you'll be redirected to a Google form. You'll give some basic information and write a few short essays about why you would make a great fit to our program. I am hoping that we'll be reading your application soon and that we'll be seeing you in meetings as soon as we start back in the 2022 through 23 school year. I appreciate you taking the time to consider applying and I would definitely, definitely encourage you all to go ahead and do so. Okay, I'll let you get back to the podcast now, but make sure to check that out. It's an exciting opportunity and I think that you would all love it. So... I know that you had said you first became involved with Mind Out Loud because of your counselor. And it seems like, I don't know if I would say a mentor, but there was someone in your life that was helping helping you kind of experiment with advocacy work a little bit. What would you say to someone that doesn't have that person in their lives and they need to kind of figure out how to be a better advocate all on their own? The idea of, of mentor is a little bit tricky because yeah. that implies there's someone who has already mastered what you're trying to do that you're trying to learn from. And in a lot of ways, when it comes to any type of advocacy, we're all trying to learn different things, but at the same time. So what's been really helpful to me is to find people who have also set forth the goal of let's improve this situation. Let's talk about this issue and work with them. I I find it's a lot healthier than putting somebody up on a pedestal and saying they are always correct because people are human as much as some of us might not want to admit it at times. Um, And humans are fallible and products of our time. And while some people are wonderful, it's just as well to work with people and be able to support them as they support you and teach them as they teach you than it is to just have a straight up teacher. Um, for instance, as I started doing advocacy with uh, the LGBTQ plus community, um, it started with one of my close friends who was like, 
we need to do something about this. And I was like, yes, I've been saying that for a while. And she's like, yeah, we're going to do something about this. You and me, let's do this. And if you can find someone who's willing to take that leap with you or just be, be with you while you try something that might be uncomfortable or might be challenging for you or might cross some things that you hadn't thought you would be crossing before, that's often the best ally and the best mentor you can have. Wonderful. I'm hearing you say that if someone doesn't have maybe an older person in their life that has accomplished them, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't have someone they can respect. They can still have someone that's their age and maybe has the same goals and then you two Mm -hmm. can figure out your advocacy journey together. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes the older people don't have the answers. Yeah. A lot of times people don't recognize how good an idea they have or how valid of a voice they have in conversations especially about serious issues. So I I think that the best thing we can do in searches for allies and for mentors is to seek out people who we respect and seek out people who we would listen to and who we feel would listen to us. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of times the people I find myself looking up to are people that maybe are not accomplishing everything that I want to do, but have the mindset to do so or the goal to do so and even if they're not maybe what we would say like perfect or of course they're not they're not going to be but a lot of the people in the spotlight that I look up to are people that are really making an effort and are trying I think is something that's important and it's kind of seems like you're saying a similar message yeah and it's also worthwhile to find the people who you respect even if they're even if it's just, you know, I respect this teacher for what they're doing. I respect my counselor for what they're doing. And building that mutual respect, um, especially if you're in a situation where you're not totally sure or, you know, it's always difficult to look it on yourself and see your strengths. But I've always found it's helpful to have people who are looking in on you and can say, you know, on your bad days, hey, it's okay. I know what you can do and we can do this together. That's really wonderful. I think that's such great advice for how to sort of become an advocate or begin an advocacy journey because I think it is something that is constantly evolving as you're being exposed to new opportunities and new perspectives. And I really like that idea of just finding someone who has a similar mindset to you and working with them. I Mm -hmm. love it. Can you maybe think about if there's anything that you want to add that I haven't asked you? It's okay. Actually, yeah. Um, And this goes for... LGBTQ plus people and mental health people, you do not have to be an advocate. You do not have to be an activist. You do not have to stand your stand up and be a shield to somebody else. Your life and your safety is the most important thing. If you're in a position where you have the privilege to be able to go and work to improve things, that's wonderful. Do not feel guilty if you're not. Don't feel guilty if there's a day where you just need to show up for yourself. Even And don't feel guilty if there's a day where you don't even know if you can do that. Like, you have to take care of yourself. And I, I realize right now there's a lot of talk about, you know, young people leading the charge, young people leading the charge all the time. You don't always have to. I love that. I think it's such a great way to preserve your own mental health and also 
to think about working sustainably too, which is something that I think a lot of people in our program and obviously outside too struggle with because Mm -hmm. when they're so motivated, it can be so challenging to combat burnout and things like that when there's so much that you want to accomplish. And if you're not in a place where you're able to be an advocate right now, there is absolutely no shame in that. And it's respectable that you're aware of your boundaries. I think you answered every single question that could have popped into my head and more. It was a wonderful conversation with you, Helen. Is there anything else you want to add? I know you already gave a little postscript. Mm. I do have one more thing for people who are entering the final years of high school when everything goes nuts, at least at least where I am, is don't push off dealing with burnout if you can. Um, in the early years of high school, one of the valuable things you can try to teach yourself is how do you deal with that burnout? Um, and finding ways to help deal with that before you really, really need it is something that is a very valuable skill to have. That's wonderful advice. Yeah. So if you take the opportunity, like over summer, figure out what works for you. Like, um, I've got a friend where the thing that they'll do is they will like take a bunch of dominoes, they'll throw it on the floor and then they'll organize it by the numbers because that's what helps them get the brown out of their head. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do, but if you can cleanse the brands that you can keep doing whatever has to get done, that's something really valuable to learn to do. Um, especially before it gets to the point where it's like, like to to use myself as an example, um, my school has a tradition called the senior 10 page paper, which is a miserable experience because, uh, I write a lot. I've done several college courses that were heavy writing intensive courses. And the problem with the 10 page paper is that they gave you no creative freedom. And I really struggled to write this essay and I got started to get a really bad case of burnout. And what I ended up doing to kick it was I took a weekend and I pitched a tent in my backyard and I slept into the tent in the backyard with no tech for like a weekend. And that didn't totally get rid of it, but it helped quite a bit for me. So experiment a bit. So if you can find a way to break that cycle for yourself, that's something to learn, especially while you're young. Yeah, I really like that advice. I think something that I've learned over the course of the pandemic is for me, I really love comedy and just taking even 10 minutes at night to take a break from my chemistry homework and to take a break from everything and to just watch an SNL sketch or to listen to five minutes of my favorite comedian. That is just so helpful. And it's totally implementing your advice of learning what works for you when you're still younger and adjusting to high school so that you're prepared for those tougher last two years. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. I think that's all I have to add unless you have any further questions. No, you answered everything. That was very wonderful. Well, lovely people, check out the next episode of the Mind Out Loud podcast by our wonderful podcast committee. And remember, when life gives you lemons, turn them into lemonade, put the lemonade in a super soaker, and attack the mean neighbor. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Welcome to the debrief room. This is what we refer to as 
our Mind Out Loud or our MLL. It's just a brief segment after our interview where we can debrief, fact check, and just sort of discuss any of the the really interesting parts of the interview that we didn't quite have a chance to get into in real time, but we're going to review them now. So this is just a time to sort of be comfy, to discuss, to research. So get in a cozy position. If you are not multitasking right now, maybe sit down, get something nice to drink or a little snack, and let's get into it. This one's going to be a little longer than some of our other fact checks, which is exciting because Helen gave us a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about on on a deeper level. Okay, so let's get started. The first fact that I pulled out was when Helen mentions Harvey Milk, and they say that they believe Harvey was the first openly gay man to be elected to public office in California. That is 100% correct. They were totally right about that. Harvey became a member on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in 1977, so not terribly long ago. It was almost 1980, which is quite recent when we think about it. Um, and he ran on being really authentic and vocal about his identity while he was campaigning, and that's been cited as leading to a lot of hope and representation for the LGBTQIA community, both during the 70s and, and even now, as we think of him as being a really important political figure. Most unfortunately, Harvey was actually assassinated a year after he took office. It is a terrible, terrible piece of our history and so disappointing that even after such progress for the community, there was still such hate and such violence. Because his story is so interesting, I would encourage anyone to read more about him and to do their own research into his story as a historical figure and as an activist. If you're interested in taking a look at his website, that is linked in the show notes for this episode. So definitely, I would encourage you to take a look at that and to explore your own resources as well. All right, so moving on from Harvey Milk, one of the more concrete facts, something that isn't necessarily a fact check, but that I really wanted to revisit was the point when Helen talks about struggling with self-care for themselves and just the general challenge how it can be to prioritize oneself, especially in, um, in the advocacy community. So there's, there's a point in this episode where I asked Helen what they do to take care of themselves and they responded that this is still a journey they're working towards. And they said that a lot of times they feel as if they have to push through their schoolwork and just get through it as much as possible and almost sort of put self-care on the sidelines. And in the episode, Helen and I actually talked about, and we talked about it later too, whether or not this should be cut because it was possibly sending a toxic message. And we decided that it should actually stay in because it is a great representation of how even people who are activists or advocates can still find it really challenging to practice the messages that they're supporting. You can believe in something so strongly and know that it's right while still having a hard time doing that. And Helen is in no way endorsing or supporting the idea that pushing through and working even when you feel like you need a break is good. They, they're really something, that's something they're trying to move past and they're trying to help create more time for self-care, which is something that really resonated with me as well. So I think that even though it is a challenge for Helen to be working on that, it's absolutely something that a lot of people in the activist community, I think, struggle with because a lot of times people here are in a position where they feel as if they have to help other people and to put the needs of other people before others. But as Helen mentions, you cannot set yourself on fire in order to keep others warm. 
It is no help to other people if you are burnt out and unable to achieve what you are hoping for. So it is important to find time to prioritize yourself and there's that can be a real challenge, but if that's something that you are still working on too, that might be something great to bring up with a therapist if you are currently in therapy or another mental health professional or advisory figure in your life. They might be able to help you figure that out and help you sort of make room for yourself and also ensure that you're able to do that in the future as well. Yeah, and I think that that can tie into burnout a little bit. There's a point in the episode where Helen and I had a bit of a discussion about burnout and Helen gave some advice to younger students to figure out what works for them in order to combat their own burnout. And I think it's a good clarification that Helen made that for everyone, they might deal with burnout differently and the, what, what arouses that burnout and the ways in which that's able to be combated. So I wanted to sort of do a little bit more research on burnout and to talk about that a little bit more because it is, this is a very big and multifaceted and serious topic. Um, it's something we cannot cover in one episode, but if you are interested in learning a little bit more about it, there's an article and there is another podcast. This is from NPR's Life Kit. It's a podcast that I personally really liked and found, found helpful when, when learning, when wanting to learn more about burnout for myself. Um, So Helen gave some stories and tips that they've seen in their life and the lives of their friends. And as a clarification, these are not expert tips. They're not being recommended as tactics that will work for everyone or even anyone else because these are just almost anecdotes. And Helen absolutely recognizes that they are not a mental health professional and that by giving these tips, they do not intend for other people to use them as a replacement for therapy or for professional mental health counseling at all. And I think that's always so important to remember when discussing mental health in general, that there is such a spectrum of experiences and the ways that they'll be best dealt with. So it's really important for somebody to find what works best for them. Exactly the advice that Helen is giving is to, when when you're feeling not burnt out, maybe to figure out what might help you if you ever do reach that point. Um, and that is that is something that, again, would be really helpful I think to talk about with a therapist or another mental health professional before before you reach that time or during it if that is an is a resource that is available to you. I think one of the the biggest through lines within all the resources that that I mentioned and have linked is that a lot of people maybe feel as if they're not able to share their feelings of burnout because they feel as if they'll be thought of as maybe being lazy or as just being too sensitive. But having extreme feelings of exhaustion and frustration or, or any of the other symptoms that are maybe connected to burnout are very, very serious. And they're something that deserve to be taken as seriously as they are. And this would, again, be a great place to talk more to your to your caregivers and and health professionals about what burnout might look like for you, how you can recognize that in yourself, and some ways in which you can help treat that should should it come about. Um, yes, so just as a clarification again, Helen is not recommending these as professional tips. I am not recommending any of these resources as professional resources, but just um, because we're discussing burnout, it is always good to remember that you, if you have resources available, can please speak with those people in your life should you ever have these feelings or even before just as a way to sort of get out in front of it and make sure you're as prepared as possible Alrighty, let's move on to our closing fact and slash resource i guess this is about the angst documentary which i 
suggested Helen might want to take a look at. It is a documentary by an independent filmmaker and it is based around discussions of anxiety and mental health destigmatization. So I think that is super, super important. There is a link to it in our episode notes, as always, and that link is going to have information about the film and the accompanying program, which provided resources, discussion guides, and expert perspectives on mental health. Um, And then you can learn about the process of filming the documentary and get more information on the featured experts, as well as learn about how the program can be implemented in your community. But that is there as a resource for anybody that's interested in seeing other students discuss mental health and anxiety in maybe a new format for you. So that is just there as sort of um, an amendment and a continuation of a conversation that Helen and I had. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I think hopefully that covered all of the facts. And we were also able to debrief some of the things, make some clarifications about advice and resources, and hopefully provide some resources that might help you learn a little bit more about things that were brought up in our podcast. And then just to close it out, I like to always sort of reflect back and think about how the conversation maybe fell into some of our pillars of Mind Out Loud. For anybody that's maybe new to the podcast or would just like a refresher, there are four pillars of Mind Out Loud. They are personal wellness, suicide prevention, support for marginalized communities, and awareness and advocacy. And I think it's always nice for us to figure out sort of where our conversation fell. And it's so interesting to see how a lot of the conversations we have really do relate quite quite deeply back to these four pillars. So personal wellness that's one we mentioned in our introduction and I think that that was absolutely prevalent that also played pretty heavily into our into our fact check our our MLL here because we talked about how it can be challenging to to find ways for prioritizing yourself when you feel as if you need to continually be working for others I also think that support for marginalized communities featured pretty heavily in Helen's narrative. They initially talked about how they first became involved with advocacy for the LGBTQ plus community and how that was kind of a marginalized community that led them into mental health advocacy, which is really, really cool. A lot of intersectionality there. And lastly, awareness and advocacy, kind of the backbone of our conversation as we discussed how Helen embarked on their own advocacy journey and how that was so rooted in wanting to spread awareness to others, especially just really based heavily in education. Okay, I think that just about covers it. I would really encourage you to reflect on your own advocacy journey or on the path that you're hoping your advocacy journey might take. I would definitely say, I'm a little bit biased here, but I would say that by educating yourself on the stories of others and making sure you're listening to a diverse group of perspectives through this podcast is a really great way to start. Okay, friends, well, I'm sorry to say goodbye to you all, but I'm hoping to be back with another episode soon, and I would encourage you to be on the lookout for that. Have a great rest of your day, night, wherever you are. It's been really wonderful talking with you and debriefing today. I'll see you next time.